Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 28 of Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to be reading verses 20 and 21. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also and to his wife did Jehovah God make coats of skins and clothe them. Well, I I just want to finish discussing verse 20 before we we move on to the next verse. And again, we saw that Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living, and yet she had not yet given birth. She was not physically or naturally or an earthly mother of any kind. But You see, the most important level of information in the Bible is the spiritual level. It is that underlying truth that the Bible is chiefly concerned with. And so as God is writing this, remember God's the one who moved Adam to call his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And it was God who moved Moses to write down these things so we would know that. And the reason is because of the spiritual picture that God has drawn concerning Eve, the bride of Adam. Adam is a figure of Christ. Eve, as his bride, is a type and figure of of the elect. And we saw that uh, the statement, she was the mother of all living, corresponds to the statement in Galatians chapter 4 regarding Sarah and also regarding Jerusalem above, because both Sarah and Jerusalem above are a similar picture. In Galatians 4, verse 23 God said, but he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. And and by the way, the Greek word translated as free woman is the same word that's found in verse 26. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free. It's, it's the same Greek word, 1658 in the Greek in Strong's Concordance. And... Um, the word woman is because it, it was in the feminine. Jerusalem, which is above, is free. She's the free woman, which is the mother of us all. And the all in view are all the elect. Jerusalem, it, it, that heavenly Jerusalem that comes down as a bride adorned for her husband in Revelation chapter 21 is comprised of everyone that God will ever saved. Sarah, 
is a similar picture, and Eve is a similar picture. She would relate with Sarah. She would relate to Jerusalem above. And so uh, it is said of Eve that she is the mother of all living, even before she gave birth to an earthly child, because spiritually, at this point, and this is the early stage of of the world's history, God has just created the world not too long ago, and created man and, and formed the woman out of his side. We know that, but already the Lord has predestinated from before the foundation of the world, according to Ephesians 1 verse 4, a chosen people to be saved. And already the Lord Jesus Christ then took the sins of all these chosen people upon himself and suffered under the wrath of God and died for their sins, making payment in full for all the sins of all the elect. And then he rose from the dead to be declared the Son of God in a indicator of justification and that he has uh, been washed He has experienced spiritual baptism by the washing away of the sin that he was laden with. And therefore, this whole company of the elect, uh, known as the bride of Christ, known as the body of Christ, known at this point in um, the councils of eternity at the foundation of the world, known at this point as uh, a child knitted together in its mother's womb and and then as history unfolds and God saves each one of these individuals it is the formation of the child it is the formation of the body of Christ the formation of the bride and and so forth but this is the reason because it's already done the works have already been finished from the foundation of the world, it can be said at this early point of history that she was, past tense, the mother of all living. Because God in saving, in in dying for the sins of these people, and yes, in saving them, he guaranteed their salvation and they would be the living uh, out of the whole of mankind that would eventually be born into the world. She was the mother of all that would live, all that God had saved. Well, okay, let's go on to verse 21 of Galatians chapter 3. And again, it says, Unto Adam also and to his wife did Jehovah God make coats of skins and clothe them. Now, it, it's curious. It's something that's kind of difficult to understand. Uh, since Adam has consistently been a picture of Christ, why is God clothing him along with his wife Eve with the coats of skins? We understand that these coats of skins 
are a picture, and we'll show that, of God's salvation, of God's righteousness, of the covering over of sin, because Adam and Eve, up until this point, were naked. They were naked until they sinned, until they disobeyed God, and and Eve was deceived by the serpent, and Adam also took of the forbidden fruit and sin. And up until that point, they were naked and were, were not aware of it, or it was nothing unusual or strange or anything to be ashamed of. But then once they sinned, they realized they were naked and they tried to cover themselves. We, we talked about that back in verses seven and eight. Um, I'll just read verse 7. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And we saw how that related to man attempting to cover over his own sin through his own efforts or works. They themselves sewed. And to sew, you have to do some work. Fig leaves together and and made themselves these aprons. So here God is correcting what they have done. No, your clothing that you have made is not sufficient. Not when it comes to sin. There There is no covering that you can provide for yourself. This is the fault of the unsaved of Israel of old. They thought they could perform certain works, uh, obediently offer sacrifice, or obediently perform what God required in the ceremonial laws, and that would cover their sins. And it's the same as with the unsaved within the corporate church throughout the church's history. They thought they could um, partake of the Lord's table, or experience water baptism, or accept Christ, and many other things. And these good works would save them and cover their sin. But it's never the case. And and so God is going to correct that. Now, let me just refer to Isaiah 4 and verse 1, where God is going to speak about seven women, and the seven women identify with the seven churches we find in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. It says in Isaiah 4, 1, And in that day, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own bread and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by thy name to take away our reproach. And, and you see here, this is what the church, uh, the corporate church likes to do. They they want their own bread, their own kind of gospel, their own doctrines related to the Bible, built upon some scripture, yes, but they want their reformers and their renowned theologians to lay them out, and they they want to adhere to that, not scripture with scripture, not as the Holy Ghost teaches. But they want their own bread, plus they want their own apparel, their own clothing. They want to knit together or sew together fig leaves to cover their nakedness. 
But at the same time, they take hold of this one man who is Christ and want to be called by his name, Christian, to take away their reproach. They, they want uh, everything. They, they want some things of God, but they also want some things of their own and to bring them together. And, and no, no, that's not how it is. It is God's bread. The, the true teaching of the Bible is the daily bread for the children of God and God provides it. God determines exactly what it is. God's the one who must rain it down from heaven above like the manna that fell in the wilderness. And also, God is the one who clothes his people. He is the one that covers the spiritual nakedness, those sins that are exposed to his sight, and and he covers them through his work and his doing, as we see here in this verse in Genesis 3.21. Now, historically, this is only telling us Adam and Eve had flimsy uh, clothing with the fig leaves and not too warm and and was not sufficient. And so God helped them by making coats of skins and clothing them. Now, in order for God to make coats of, of skins, as it says here, and, and the skins, by the way, are skins... Of, of animals, uh, as it says in Genesis 27 and verse 16. And this is speaking of Rebecca, um, Jacob's mother. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. So the coats of skins are of goats or or some other kind of animal and how do you get that coat of skin how did rebecca get the coat of skin to put on her son jacob did she take a live animal and and apply the coat from a live animal no there's no way to do that she first had to kill the animal or somebody in her family did or one of the servants and then she took the coat of skin from the dead animal. And that's that's what God did. When we read that God made coats of skins, that means that God killed an animal. And, and then God took the skin from the animal that he had killed, and he brought the coat to Adam, and he brought the coat, to Eve and clothe them. And, and, and so we have really, uh, God uh, drawing an early picture of sacrifice. It, it will require sacrifice to clothe you, to cover your sin. It will require, it will be necessary to shed blood and and to take that which comes from a sacrificial animal the coat of skin to cover you 
Now, um, God would eventually lay down the law for sacrifices. Actually, in the next chapter in Genesis 4, we're going to find that very early on with Cain and Abel, they were bringing sacrifice. And this is within the first 130 years of Earth's history that Cain and Abel lived. And at that time, there was no Mount Sinai that were giving of the law, Mount Sinai, no Ten Commandments. Uh, you would you would not find the specific laws requiring sacrifice, requiring uh, ceremonial laws of in any way, and yet already they are bringing sacrifice because God let it be known, and and this is perhaps the the first time God is letting it be known, and uh, you know there there could be more information that God told Adam and Eve regarding this. We're not told. This is all God wants us to know is that he killed animals. Uh, He shed the animal's blood. He took their coats and he then clothed Adam and Eve. And in doing so, he's laying down a very important principle. And that is Without the shedding of blood, there is no taking away of sin. It's the principle that's stated in Hebrews chapter 9 in verse 22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. There must be the shedding of blood in order for there to be forgiveness or remission of sins and and that's why early on early on god is demonstrating that by uh, making these coats of skins and covering adam and eve's nakedness he's showing them he's illustrating this is how sins are paid for how sins can be forgiven there must be the sacrifice of an innocent, there must be the shedding of blood. But God is not teaching in any way that it's the shedding of animal blood that uh, provides remission of sin. That is impossible. And God makes that clear in the Bible, as it says in Hebrews 10, concerning animal sacrifices. In Hebrews 10, verse 3, But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. And God's slaying of whatever kind of animal this is, that he took its coat, did not take away anyone's sin. Covering Adam and Eve with the skins of these coats did not take away their sin. They were still guilty before God. But it pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it pointed to the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ had already died. And in dying, he shed his blood. 
because the life is in the blood. And if you give your life, you've, you've given your blood in that sense. He has already died for the sins of his people. He is the lamb, and a lamb is an animal, but it points to Christ. And so Christ is called the lamb of God, as John the Baptist exclaimed, that taketh away the sins of the world. He is the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. That's the work that was finished. And that's when his blood was shed. And and it was before the world began because, again, the biblical principle, without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission. Therefore, Christ shed his blood, making his blood available at the very beginning of the creation of the world. And uh, not long after, when when man falls into sin, the Lord will start forgiving um, certain men's sins, certain people's sins. Abel is called righteous Abel, and he could only be called righteous Abel because he was saved. And, you know, it's not possible to get saved after you've lived your life. Men become saved during their lifetime. And, and so Abel had to be saved during his short time in the world before Cain slew him. He had to have been made righteous by God. He had to have his sins forgiven. He had to have the blood of Christ applied to him, or else there could be no remission. And and therefore, the blood had to be available. And without the shedding of blood, without the death of the Messiah, without the death of the Savior, without the death of Christ, there would be no blood available. And, and so it necessarily had to be that Christ first died in order to make the possibility of forgiveness or, or the reality of forgiveness available for Abel, for Noah who found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and for every Old Testament saint that lived and became saved up until the first coming of Christ, 11,000 years after creation. That, that's a large block of time. Uh, it, it's 11,000 years, 11 millennium. We're approaching the second millennium since Christ went to the cross, and, and we think it's an enormous amount of time. Well, imagine 11,000 years before he first came, and and would die on the cross. And that's where the church and where theologians and where many people insist he shed his blood and gave his life at the cross. Well, what about Abel? What about Noah? What about Abraham? What about Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and and all the saints and Moses, all the the children of God, of old, how were their sins forgiven? How could there be remission? There had to be the shedding of blood, and the shedding of animal blood 
is not sufficient. It can never take away sin. God insists upon that. Well, you see, they tell us it was in principle because Christ uh, would come. That was certain. God guaranteed it. And therefore, he just simply granted forgiveness and and covered their sins by the blood of Christ that would be shed because it was absolutely guaranteed to happen that he would die on the cross. That is a lot of language that is theological jargon that is not in the Bible. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible does not say that Jesus is the lamb uh, theoretically slain or slain in principle or or slain at the cross but no there there's none of that he's the lamb slain killed he died he shed his blood from the foundation of the world and it is there that now everything makes sense once we have that correctly understood we realize, well, yes, it had to be. It had to be because now the blood of Christ is ready. And like the lamb uh, in Egypt that was slain and its blood um, fell into a basin and they, they dipped the hyssop and applied it to the doorpost. Well, the blood of Christ is in the basin of the word of God. And now God can send forth his word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. At any point in history, right from the very beginning, let, let Abel, righteous Abel, and God can apply the blood through the hyssop of his word to the heart of Abel and he can forgive Abel's sins because the blood is available. The blood is there already. It's accomplished. It's a finished work. Uh, You know, you never hear anyone talk about that verse in Hebrews that the work was finished from the foundation of the world. How do you theoretically or in, in some kind of philosophical way or theological way How do you say the work is finished in principle? How can work be finished in principle? Work is something that is action, that takes doing. And the only way work can be finished is when the work is finished. And Christ did the work. He performed the task, the glorious task of being laden with the sins of his people and dying under the wrathful hand of of God the Father, and shed his blood, making it ready again all the way through the history of the world. There is never a time with with this understanding where the blood is not available for one of God's elect to be applied. But there is insurmountable difficulties with the idea that Christ shed his blood at the cross and we have to sort of um, backtrack to apply it somehow mysteriously we don't uh, know 
No, that that's not how it is, and the biblical language does not support that. The biblical language is certain and straightforward. He's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The works were finished at the foundation of the world. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.